Today's guest is Australian homeopath Peter Tamanello. Peter is well known for the groundbreaking work he has done on the homeopathic remedies made from various crystals or gem medicines. We are so lucky as a profession to have these incredible remedies to work with to heal our clients on a deep level and personally I cannot wait to use them in my practice more. In this episode Peter shares with us his love of the crystal remedies, how they are made and how we may use them in clinic. If you haven't already, check out Peter's absolutely beautiful books with full color and stunning artwork. His books are The Twelve Jewels, there's also Psyche and Structure, his book on Rose Quartz, and more. These books are recent additions to my clinic, and I cannot wait to use them more and more with my clients after Peter's inspirational chat today. You can purchase the books directly from Peter at www.thenaturalmedicinecenter.com.au or check out the show notes. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Me and my staff are extra excited because we have been wanting to get Peter Tamanello on the podcast for a very long time. So today is a very exciting day for us. So a very warm welcome, Peter. Hi, Eugenie. Great to be here. Hi, everybody. I just, and literally as I walked in this morning, I told myself, I'm like, finally, we get to chat with Peter and everyone is so excited because we love crystal remedies and you are an expert in this field. So before we start digging into all of that, Peter, can you tell us how you were first introduced to homeopathy? Yeah, it's an interesting story. I, there are a couple of things. One I'll say is this, is that I was starting to be a naturopath and I was in the dispensary one day and I was feeling really down. There are a whole lot of other students there. Anyway, I was complaining about something. <laughs> and this student listened very carefully. And then went over and put some remedies together and said, here, have a dose of this. I said, oh, yeah. So I took a dose of this stuff. And I'd been feeling down for quite a while, actually. And five or ten minutes later, I said to her, what did you just give me then? <laughs> and... She said it was a combination of bark flowers. Yeah. And I said, wow, I feel completely different. Like I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So that was my first introduction to energetic medicine as opposed to something that has substance. But I went on from there. I was very impressed. I went on from there. I got a few good homeopathic teachers, people who are really into it, like heart and soul. And some years later, I was given a really good remedy. This is the early years. I knew straight away when I heard about the single remedy and the whole person, I thought, yeah, this is right. This is what I need. Mm, Eureka. In what I was doing, it was so disparate. There were so many things that one could reach into, but bringing it all together in the idea of understanding and prescribing to the whole person or the totality of symptoms, Mm. and that you give a single remedy, what a relief. A few years later, I took a remedy that was fabulous for me and gave me full return of symptoms from some big problems that I'd had, some Mm. big gut problems that I had for years that I ended up having an operation for, and it completely undid it all and solved it all. It was fantastic. Wow. Oh, amazing. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. That 
just completely affirmed my path. And I'd already chosen it because of the philosophical aspect, mm. which I loved. And the fact that we have this amazing pathway into all the plants, all the animals, and all the minerals. Mm. There's not many types of medicine that can boast that. I don't use that word boast very often. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, it's interesting that you say the philosophical side. I, there's so many homeopaths that say they fell in love almost with the philosophical side of homeopathy before like that more the physical side of it. And uh, yeah, it's very amazing. I think there's something when we hear on a deep level, it resonates with us that there is something in nature that vibrates at a frequency of what we need to get us back into balance. I think most people, when you say that to them, it resonates to them on a deep level and then we're hooked. <laughs> I wish it was most people. <laughs> oh, I wish it was. As I said, most people, I was thinking, yeah, I wish it was most people. Okay, some people. The rest are still going to get there, hopefully. <laughs> now, what got you interested in the crystal remedies? Because obviously, Staphysagria, that was really deeply healing for you as a plant remedy. But where yeah. along this line did you become interested in the crystal remedies? So I'd always been into crystals, and uh, I love them for their beauty and their value. Mm. and love gems i was going to be a geologist before i did it's got to show you this beautiful amethyst i've got on my desk <laughs> should have bought some things in hey? yeah oh i just love being around them so you were going to be a, geolo a geologist yeah i was going to be a geologist and then i figured you know, i saw some pictures of people out in central australia in the desert and i thought oh i don't know if i could do that anyway so i ended up doing something that's very social and homeopathy is like the ultimate in socializing with people you don't know because <laughs> you really get to know people better than oh, most yes. people. Yeah. Anyway, I got involved in the homeopathy, but I still had the love of gems and crystals very deeply ingrained in me. And I knew that I needed to throw myself into the homeopathy to be good at it. You just can't do it half-heartedly. You really do have to make a deep commitment to it. Mm. And I kept being distracted. And so I thought what I'll do is just to get it out of my system, I'll make up all the crystals into remedies and take them off. That's cool. And that how should, did you go? That should, that should do it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about well, that, still doing it. You still do. How, and have you proved all of them on your... Yeah, yeah. I'm continually taking remedies and carrying them because I can just carry the stone now and just get a proofing. I'm doing that. Yeah, I mean, I do it judiciously, but I'm still doing it regularly, very regularly. And look, there was that. And there was one other thing that happened to me. And that was when I was on one of my Fosking trips, I used to go looking for gems and crystals a lot. And I still do a lot. And uh, I was in a place that was very potent in northern New South Wales. It's a place where there are a lot of crystals, like quartz crystals, smoky quartz crystals. And I really do believe, no, I know that the Aboriginal tribes that were there were very connected to those crystals. And I was up there for a week. It's really high country, cool, fresh air, beautiful. And I was up there for a week. And after a while, I was one time I was looking for some jam and I had my hand in arm in under a bank and I was closing my eyes and concentrating on my fingertips. And as I was closing my eyes, these crystals started to appear in my visual field, yeah, with just with closed eyes. So I thought, oh, it's unusual. 
Anyway, as I, while I did it, I thought it must be something to do with these crystals that I'm trying to get out of here. Anyway, as it happened during that week, every time I closed my eyes, like consciously, not half asleep or anything like that, every time I closed my eyes, all these crystals would appear. Mm. It was like being in a museum. So I just get one crystal, things that I didn't know or dream of. They just kept coming like I was in a museum, you know, mm. going past the different exhibits. And it lasted the whole week. I could be with someone and say, I've got this weird thing happening. Every time I close my eyes, these crystals appear. And I say, look, I'm going to close my eyes. And I say, look, there goes a green one. There goes a red one. <laughs> it was like that. I ended up seeing hundreds of crystals. I thought, oh, there's something about that stuff that was like I was being shown mm. uh, what my future was. Those two things really played that set off the whole thing. There is a third thing that I have to say, and that is that I had an experience mm. with a crystal, and that crystal just you've got yours there. Mm. I keep this one around just for Ooh, its what is that? That's beautiful. Amazing history for me. It's not my favorite crystal, but it is a special one for me. That's rhodonite. Rhodonite is beautiful. Yeah. Rhodonite is pink manganese silicate. Yeah. And if you get the, and this is close to it, if you get the best rhodonite, it's a rich, deep pink. Yeah. Mm. It's called Imperial Rhodonite. Anyway, so I was off on a trip on my own and I was meditating and I had a big vision of this stuff. And I was told some things about it in the vision. And I didn't, didn't even know what it was, but I knew the vision was really important. I packed up my car, drove 200 kilometers to a crystal shop and found some rhodonite and we proved it. And that was the first proofing. Can you please tell us a little bit more about that? So how did you do it by yourself? Did you get people on board? How was the proving done? How did you make I, the I already had. I was running a college at the time and I already had a proving group that mm. met every month. Yeah. So I just brought it to the group and I said, hey, I've got something here. Yeah, let's do this. And so we did it and it started us on a roll of proving the 12 remedies that came out in that book, 12 Jewels, that first book that I published about crystals. And did you do and an immersion for that one or was that one just holding the crystal or, or did you grind it or how was that proving done? We don't do any grind. I've never done any grinding of crystals, but I'm sure I made up an immersion of that in the first mm -hmm. instance. We didn't just hold it. Yeah. Mm. I made up an immersion and we potentized it up and we all took a dose and then did a meditation after taking the dose. Amazing. And what sort of themes came out of that? Look, it's a really important stone. It is really important because it is a life source stone. And so it's for our root chakra, our root energy center, which enlivens the rest of the job. Yeah, you can't be in the physical body without having a root chakra. Yeah, if the root chakra goes, you're gone. It enlivens that energy field and in a very special way. It's a remedy for lots of things. And it's taken me more than the first proving to find out what it was for. Mm -hmm. But beside the inherent life force, invigorating the inherent life force it's a very wonderful remedy for old wounds healing old wounds and it's a wonderful remedy for new starts and the effects of trauma so where something is really blowing you away and you need to re completely reorient it 
orient yourself and to restart start Rhoda Knight is the first class remedy wow now do you mean mental emotional spiritual wounds or physical wounds as well a lot wow amazing mm. yeah it's quite something I think it was mentioned once in the past 130 odd episodes that we've had about why the crystals are immersed and not crushed. But baby, if this is somebody's first episode that they've listened to, can you tell us a little bit about why that's not done or why you don't recommend it? So the first thing I have to say is that quite a few people do crush crystals to make them up. And when I heard about it, I was aghast. And I knew that there was something inherent in the crystal form that was important. Mm. And uh, as crystals make shapes, there's this one I've got on my desk. You just showed us some beautiful ones. And that shape, there's something about that shape. So that comes out of the earth like that. Why would you crush it? Like, really? So first thing is that you've destroyed the beauty and integrity of the crystal. Yeah, You've made it back into a mineral. For me, yeah, that's where it sits for me. Mm. I, I really... And when it came to the really valuable ones, like I'm at, for diamond immersion, mm. I got a really nice octahedral crystal of a diamond to make the remedy from. And uh, why would you crush it? Seems like I, I, I would die. I can tell you resonates. I got so a really, really beautiful ruby crystal and beautiful sapphires and emeralds. Why? Crush them, really? Yeah, I just don't do it with any gem or crystal crystallized substance. Mm. I just don't do it. And I had been very familiar with what the Indians had done. There was a guy named Bhattacharya. It must have been in the 1950s. He made crystal essences in water. He was an Indian. And he used to put the crystal in water in a cupboard, lock it away for a week mm. in the dark. And then there was another book written in the 70s by a person named Guru Das in America. And what they did to make the crystals was they put the crystal in water under the sun for a couple of hours. So I thought, oh, what am I going to do? Yeah. So I felt that each one of those was a little bit lopsided. So I decided to immerse the crystal in water and in immersing it in water, it does over a short period of time infuse its healing power into the water, the memory of water. We all mm. know that. And if you leave it out under the sun and under the night sky, yeah, including the moon, then you've got potent stuff, I can tell you. So I decided that I would make the remedies up, leaving them 24 hours under sun and moon, yeah, and make the water up from there and I could still have my precious crystal. Oh, that sounds like a much more civilised way to do it. I can understand why you put it in the dark because, you know, these gemstones are often deep in the earth and I can understand why they put it in the sun because we're kind of bringing it to light. But I like that you're doing both. It seems a bit more of a holistic way of doing it. And interestingly, Veda Austin, who I just interviewed on the show, who does wonderful work with water in, she's in New Zealand, with water crystal photography. She was saying she only exposes the water to like a picture or something for 30 seconds. And I was like, wow. yeah, that's actually true because water is actually so intelligent that it doesn't actually probably need to be that long. I do I like the ritual of, yeah, it's in the moon, it's in the sun. I like that. I wonder if maybe that's just for our own biases. I wonder what would happen if we did just expose it to 30 seconds for the water if that would have the same sort of picture. 
I think it would probably be fine. There's a point of believability. Yeah. I've made the 24-hour thing standard, mm. yeah, mm. and it's easy to do and it's a good connection to make because there is something to do with the dark side and the light side that you hinted at there and that really is important about the crystals. The Americans were only getting the light side and I guess the Indians were only getting the dark side. I'm not sure. And they used to use them for astrology, and they still do. They use them for astrological prescriptions to really to get rid of the bad influences, yeah? So maybe it's something to do with that. But they do have a dark side and a light side, all mm. of them. Mm. And I sense that the exposure to the sun and the moon it gets both of those things to their fullness. And also, so I think that's how a lot of people like recharge their crystals. Anyways, they leave it out in the moonlight, or I don't know if they leave it that's out in true. the sunlight. Seawater apparently is supposed to recharge, and I've heard that selenite recharges all other crystals. I'm pretty new to this whole crystal thing, but we have recently started stocking crystals in our clinic because more people are asking for it. And my son is obsessed with crystals since he was a little boy. He's always been obsessed with crystals. I've always said I think he's got to be a geologist. So we're getting more crystals around the house, and we recently bought a huge, beautiful amethyst cave for the clinic and it's just the energy of being around them I just can't explain it it's just beautiful I don't know enough about them I would love to learn more about them but yeah they, it they is uplifting there's no two ways about it when you look at the beauty and of those things it's inspiring yeah it really especially is. the fact that it came from mother earth absolutely Sounds going to have to be a geologist because he's oh, born. Oh, I hope. Yeah, actually, you know what? I was said to you before that I'm wearing these earrings today, which is coinciding because they've got little crystals in them. But I'm also wearing a shirt that I got from my best friend, who is a geologist, and <laughs> so she often my son will ask her lots of geology type questions. He said the other day, "How how does amethyst form?" He sent her a little voice note, and then she sent him this whole explanation back of how it forms and. I just thought that was so fascinating. But tell us a little bit, Peter, what sort of cases would you use a crystal remedy with? So maybe the homeopaths that are listening that are completely new to crystal remedies, what sort of things might a client say that might hint you to the fact that they might need a crystal remedy? Yeah, so there are three main themes that I talk about with crystal remedies. And while I'm going to mention these three, three themes in there, very relevant. You don't need to limit yourself. They're just like other remedies. Good when advice. You nice, when you get a nice picture and a good three strong characteristic symptoms, you can prescribe a crystal remedy, but there are certain groups. The first interesting thing that I found about crystals was, and I'll start off where from what you've said, and that's about light and darkness. So you have to remember that a crystal gets born deep in the earth. There is no light. It's born in the darkness and it takes thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of years till weathering brings it to the surface or human hand brings it to the surface. Mm. And so what's happened is that this thing that was very valuable and very beautiful and has amazing energy all of itself was completely in the dark. So it's character and possibilities were completely shut down. And then suddenly everything comes to light. Yeah? There's beauty, there's value, and if you want to find it, there's wisdom in them, yeah? And it all comes to light. So the theme is out of the darkness and into the light. Yeah? So it's about the things that keep you in the darkness 
and prevent light coming into your world. So a lot of people who are stuck in a crystal state are in some types of depression or being really held in a negative state, like feeling like imprisoned in a certain situation or trapped in a certain situation. Yeah. Mm. The prison idea is very strong. You know, that crystal, I don't know how one would feel as a crystal if I was a diamond locked under the earth. They come from 200 kilometers below the surface of the earth. If I was a diamond under the earth, I wouldn't be feeling really happy about my future. <laughs> it wouldn't look real good. So it's like that. Things look really dark for people who need crystals. And or it could be hidden potential, something I've got, I've really got this. I really want, I really think I can do this. This is a really untapped power, strength, creativity, beauty for me that I can't express. That's one group. So if anyone comes in a really negated or depressed state, it's one of the first things you can think of. There are a few other things. One is that crystals are a perfected combination of minerals yeah so we can say perfected they've integrated so well that light passes through them yeah it's not like any ordinary rock when you pick it up and you say oh it's nice or feels good or whatever but hey it really doesn't have the beauty and the crystalline nature of a pure crystal the pure crystals are just those things those rocks that have been crystallized through pressure and heat yeah and now the light shines through them. So this, interestingly, has a great affinity with families and with relationships. So it's about bringing relationships to a very functional or very beautiful state. And so people who are really struggling, especially with their family of origin, the crystals are just wonderful remedies. And many times I've given crystal remedies and the whole structure of the family changes some people will be familiar with family constellations, mm. that, that work that people do in groups to work out their family problems, like their root causes of pain. And uh, the crystal remedies are really good for root family problems or significant ongoing repeated relationship problems. Just thinking we might have to release this episode just before Christmas for all those families that are going to get together. They might have to put some crystals in the water <laughs> for the Christmas lunch. <laughs> Or give each other gifts of yes. yeah. And we first got onto this in one of the proving. We had some people in the proving group who they hadn't talked to their family for one person hadn't talked to their family for ten years, hadn't had anything to do with them, zero, none. And there was another person, a girl. It was a man. It was a girl hadn't talked to her parents for twenty years, and they lived in the same suburb. Wow. By the end of that proving, everything was hunky dory. Give me goosebumps. We were all stunned. Because that's the blessing of being part of a proving group. Hey, you just don't know what you're in for. <laughs> I could write a book about our adventures as a proving group. Oh, you group should. Over, over 10 years. <laughs> it was absolute. I won't go into it's a whole different story. Family, family dysfunction or relational dysfunction. Yeah. Mm. Many, often... marriages, many marriages have been saved. Do you find like giving it to the client and then obviously their energy changes and then the energy of the people around them changes in relation to that? Sometimes even like just after they've taken the first dose, the whole thing changes you know, wow. within hours and you think, you know what it's like with energy. Yeah, I do. Yep. And then there is a third theme. And that third theme is 
the other world. And it's the other world in terms of energy. Crystals give you an in to the sixth sense that might be for you. Yeah. Mm. Whether it's a natural intuitive sense that you have, whether it's some sort of perception that you have, some sort of clear audience or, mm. or just a connection with your own inner voice or energy fields, auras, all that business, which is part of our lives, but because of our materialized society, we're all closed off to it, mm. as opposed to an indig indigenous society where it's just part and parcel of daily life. Yeah. It opens that up in the most wonderful ways. We did a turquoise proving years back. And after the proving, one of the ladies in the proving came to me and said, oh, look, after we started proving, someone tapped me on the shoulder and there was a guy there. And uh, he said, hi, I'm here for you. It was some spirit, right? I said, oh, yeah, fine. Anyway, I met her again three years later and we had a bit of a chat. And she said, that guy that came during the turquoise proving, he said, oh, yeah, I remember that. She said, he's still there. <sighs> <laughs> It'd been three years, right? Hopefully, in a so, good way. Know, she got yeah, he was Gui good guiding her. Yeah, amazing. Really good stuff for her. Yeah, mm. it's just a guide. It's not weird. It's just someone close who isn't in a body. That's all. Yeah, mm. and someone who's got goodwill for you, mm. and who probably knows a bit more than you do. <laughs> Can see the bigger picture. So they're the three main things of the gems. So I, my journey into the gems is still very new, but just recently I did one of Colin Griffith's seminars and he talks about emerald being used to clear sort of generational trauma in the male ancestral lines. And how amazing, how many therapies can say that they have this incredible tool that they can use to clear generational trauma. And I'm treating a family at the moment where I treat the mum and the sister and then the mum's daughter and then that grandchild so it's three generations but then there's a sister there as well and it's incredible because you just really you can feel that and they've been sharing about their ancestors and the things that have been passed down and you can just see that so much of what they're dealing with it's not their stuff it's generational stuff that's been handed down and mm. when you get to see when you get to treat multiple generations you probably yeah, I'm sure you know this, Peter. You can sense that same sort of flavor or that same sort of energy in there. And how cool that you can give a remedy to clear the stuff that is not theirs, that have been energetically, epigenetically handed down. It's very exciting. It's extraordinary. The remedies goes to the whole of homeopathy and especially the crystals, mainly because it's my thing, but the potentiality, the healing potentialities are so beyond what can be imagined in orthodox medicine. So. Oh, there's, there's a few little coinkidings today, but of course there's no such thing as a, oh, sorry, I say coinkidink, but coincidence, <laughs> coinkidink. I actually was at our crystal supplier yesterday because we've got these beautiful new string lights with little crystals on them. It's gorgeous. And I asked them, when are you getting your new crystal water bottles in? Because my daughter accidentally recently broke mine. Have you seen the, crystal, the water bottles with the crystals in them? And then she was saying, oh, we're getting some different ones in this time that you can put the little tumbled stones in, but they're not in contact with the water. And then suddenly I was like, that's actually probably a really good idea because I've been drinking from this water bottle with a black obsidian in it for a few months. And I've probably like in some way proven the remedy from drinking this water that's in contact with a crystal the whole time, which could be a good and a bad thing, but depending on if you're doing it consciously or not. What do you think about that? Some people I know will put crystals in their water to kind of restructure and restructure the water and have good energy in the water. What do you think of people that just put water, crystals in their water and drink it on a daily basis? 
I think it's fine, but you, I think you do have to be aware of the proving effect. Mm. And but for most people, it tends to be fine. I don't do it, but I guess I, I'm going through many crystals and. Mm. So I usually just carry them with me, sleep with them, things like that. But you could do the same thing with water, but over months and months, please be careful. Okay. Proving do happen. Yeah, yeah, they do. Can you please tell us a bit about your books, Peter? Because you have written a couple of beautiful books and I know you've got them up there. So for those, that's maybe if we end up putting this video up on YouTube, that want to have a look. So the first book is, first book is 12 Jewels. Mm-hmm. And that was a book that, it was a result of the proving group that I mentioned to you before. Mm. And that group, we were convened from 1994 to 2005. And so we met every month and we proved the 12 remedies in this book. Mm. And we did those provings two or three times. And then people came from the outside and offered us provings of those two. And so, so some individuals and some groups so in all, we had 70 provers and I did all the remedies three times. Quite a few of them did the two or three times. Some people were there for some provings and not for others. Mm. But then we put all that information together and we distilled it because it was all experiential information. We distilled it and then I wrote the book from that. Mm. Yeah, And it was some undertaking, I must say, because we had an amazing thing done. There's so many approvings of remedies that we have. There's only done on a couple of people or maybe five or 10 if you're lucky, but that's a pretty impressive group. And going over that period of time, that's a huge commitment. It was a huge commitment, but we all loved it. I I often say it was very adventurous, very scary, very joyful, and very heartwarming all at once. So I also had beautiful images, Mm. photographs of crystals that I had or of other people that other people had for every one of the remedies that we did. And I had an artist do a positive and negative image for each crystal just to try and capture the essence. So that was quartz crystal I just showed you. That is the image for quartz crystal. Mm. That's the, it's very much like silica, as you can imagine. And that is the negative image. That's a person whose ego has become statuesque and a bit holier than thou Mm. and who has become very rigid. And then there's a positive image for each one also. So that's letting go and letting going with the flow. And the artist we had do it, Carol Olbach, wow, Mm. she really got it. I would have a long talk with her about what I expected and then she would do it. And she put in many things that I hadn't expected, but that were absolutely spot on quite amazing. I love that you've got those images in there because so many of us, I am a very visual learner. And so Mm. having that image is beautiful and you can sense the essence of it. And it's so true. A picture speaks a thousand words because now that you've shown me those two images, I feel like I have a clear idea of the yin and the yang of clear quartz. And and that's exactly what it's about. It's about the yin and the yang. Mm. And uh, it's really nice. That's how I learned too, by images. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to do it. I thought we've got to do something here. Where do you prefer people purchase your books, Peter? I always wonder with the authors, is there like a preferred place well, that you... It depends on where you are. Do you sell them directly? Well, before we go on to that, mm. go on, I've just got to show you one last image. Oh, please you do. Emerald. Yeah. Yes. And that is the negative image for Emerald. Oh. Yeah. That's the cable line. Yeah. Mm. Very masculine energy. Mm. That's locked up 
and feels very aggressive. Mm. Yeah? Quite amazing. And you have no idea the number of times I've been able to use, understanding the image, I've been able to use it to prescribe in clinic. Been fantastic. Beautiful. Do you ever show that those images to your clients? Because I'm somebody that at a end, end of a consult, I like to read the Materia Medica back to a client. I, I, yeah. I always pick out the parts that I know that they will resonate with because you know there's so many parts in a remedy. If you read everything out to them, they'll go, Oh, that's not me, that's not me. But obviously, you match the remedy to the, uh, the client to the remedy, not the remedy to the client. Yeah. So showing them an image like that, I'm sure you would have had clients just feel that resonance of that image. Oh. Many times, many times, because they've conjured it up. All these things are in our psyches, and they conjure up the image themselves, and I show them the reflection of the image that's already been painted in a book, and they go, oh, wow. And when that happens, you've got a really deep remedy. I actually prescribed anacardium for somebody yesterday, and then I showed them a picture of a cashew nut on my computer because very few people know what a cashew nut looks like. You've got the cashew apple and the cashew nuts, and it's really fascinating. There's the difference between the two. So I showed that to them, and then I explained them why I'm prescribing the remedy. And it was actually a 10-year-old boy, and you could see he was like, oh, wow, I get it. And his mom, both of them were like, oh, I get it. So yeah, I think imagery is very powerful. I realized that I should have done 13 gems in the first instance. And uh, that I left this one out by bias. Mm. Well, I, I think Rose lovely. deserves its own book. <laughs> That's beautiful. It's absolutely amazing remedy. And people keep writing to me about it, about their wow. cured cases. I tell mm. you what, like it is a major polycrest. Mm. And I wrote this book from the effects of one proving and 39 clinical results. Amazing. It's an outstanding remedy. And I've really gone into it inside out inside this book. And it really is, it's probably the best thing I've ever written, even though it's just a little book. They say dynamite comes in small packages. I actually, you just had an image flash up in my mind. I just recall that Julie Andrews, who was the principal at the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy in New Zealand, where I graduated, she gave each of us a rose quartz when we graduated. I did she? Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and you've got another book there as well. I've got another book, yes. So more recently, I've written a book about crystals, mm. crystal structure. So I realised after I got going with other crystals that you could prove crystals from here to kingdom come because there are many of them. And once I got up to about 80 or 90, I thought, and there were another sort of 100 or 200 in front of me, I thought there's got to be some way to tie all this together. So at that time, I was spending time in Europe and I got to meet the crystal healers there and crystal healing is really big in Europe. I got to meet and become good friends with a guy there named Michael Ginger, who was the main writer about crystals. He was a mineralogist who was also a healer. And I got this understanding of crystal structure from him. Yes. So crystal structure is the way crystals are formed. Yeah? And the fact that the crystal structures actually reflect a certain personality type, a certain psychotyping. Yeah? And that psychotyping for each structure is common throughout the structure. So, for instance, the diamond and the garnet have the same crystal structure and they're both a cubic structure. And that's for people who tend to be quite fixed yeah, mm. and quite definitive about who they are and where they're going in their life. Whereas jade, for instance, let's say Nef jade from New Zealand, 
is a completely different type of person. There's a completely different type of crystal structure. So that I understood that by getting the different crystal structures, and there are seven linear structures, seven linear structures, and those structures all define sort of deep archetypes, deep human archetypes. And if you understand them, it becomes much easier to prescribe crystal remedies. That's cool. And you mentioned about an amorphous structure as well, but I don't know any like how. There's, yeah, tell us. There's seven linear ones and one amorphous, which means has no shape. And what sort of crystal is? For example, opals. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay. For example, obsidian. It's glass. No crystal structure. Yeah, it's volcanic glass. Example, moldavite, the one that came from the meteor strike. It's a volcanic glass no structure. There are quite a few other ones. I won't go into them all here. So that's like the wild card for the group. And after you understand structures, which I've gone into in depth here, it's Mm. really easy to get into the crystals. Mm. I didn't realise when I started to do this, I thought it was just going to be crystals. I was speaking to one of my German colleagues. He said, hey, all minerals crystallise. And pennies started to drop. I thought, wow, this isn't just the 10% of homeopathy that might be crystals. This is 45% of homeopathy, minerals and crystals. Yeah. Mm. And so once you understand crystal structure, you've understood all the minerals too. So this is a fundamental way in to all these remedies. So any mineral or any crystal that you study one of the first things that I like to do is find out its structure. And that book that I published in 2017 discusses and unearths all of that information. I did. I studied 400 cases and provings to write that book. The first book took me 11 years. and The second book took me 11 years. Yeah. I think a lot of people complain about how expensive homeopathic books are but that gives you the reason as to why (laughs) because there is so much work that goes into what you've produced for us to just enjoy. If you think you get any, just for those who buy books, if you think that the author gets any recompense, it's like a pittance. I've heard that. It's an incredible labor of love. And yeah, you have to sell hundreds of thousands of a book to make money. Mm. But yeah, it is a labor of love. I can highly recommend it if you're interested in this field. And the bonus with the crystal structure is not only does it open it to crystals, it opens it to minerals. And now we're understanding that it actually opens us to plants and animals. Mm. Yeah. Because of the mineral structure in the plants. With the minerals and the crystals, you can work it out through science. Mm. With the plants, you have to work it out from cases. Mm. Yeah. But they're there. The crystal structures are all there. Yeah. For instance, rust tox. Anacardium, just to talk about the anacardiaceae, rust tox, anacardium, rust venonate, all those remedies, I understand their structure. So I understand the type of psyche that's going to come in associated with those remedies. Yeah. And that's how I work these days. So where do we get the books from? So where do you get the books from? So if you're in Australia, you can get them from my clinic. So just get in touch with the clinic and say, I want X, Y, and Z. We'll let you know. And they're on, it's on the website. It's not an automatic thing on the website. You actually have to speak to someone and you can do that. And, or you can get them. There's some of my books online at the book barn. 
in mm-hmm. Sydney, mm-hmm. run by the Orem Project. I do happen to know they got a new delivery of books last week because I asked to, I didn't realize that you sell it directly, embarrassingly. So I contacted Lindley at the book barn and she has just had a new shipment of your books. So I know that they're in there. <laughs> Very good, yeah. So you can get them from there or from the book barn. It's fine. If you just want to do it online, that's fine. Mm-hmm. If you want to speak to us and you want to discuss which books you can get, you should mm-hmm. get. And I do have a few other books that are associated with my remedies that won't be at the book barn, but Hey, they're all on my website. Least the information about them is on the website. So if, if you're in Australia, that's where you can get them. If you're overseas, best to get them from Narayana in Germany, who are my publishers. Amazing. Wow, Peter. That you have not disappointed. <laughs> I completely lived up to everything I was hoping for this episode for myself, my staff, and for our listeners. And I know you're very so many hey. I said you're very gracious. Oh, it's very, you've put so much work. And Peter, when I speak to you, your passion and your love and your knowledge of this just completely emanates out of you. You can see that this is something that you live and breathe. And it's so wonderful to learn from somebody like that. And when you said you had. True, I do live and breathe it. Yeah. And you know, when you said when you were studying. Yeah, exactly. When you were studying homeopathy yourself and you had these passionate lecturers, like when you learn from somebody like that ignites something in you on a different level. If you want to leave our listeners with a last message and just your website and any other last messages that you want to leave them with. Yeah, a last message. Don't be daunted. Keep going. Whatever <laughs> happens, <laughs> just keep going. Homeopathy is miraculous and it has so much gold waiting for you in it. Yeah. Mm. Just keep whatever happens in your life, whatever happens in your practice, keep going. It's worth it. Yeah. Even through the real struggle parts. Mm. Love it and do it to the best of your ability. And how can people get hold of you? The website is the natural medicine center.com.au. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today, Peter. I really appreciate it. I know our listeners are going to love this episode. I think your phones are going to be ringing hot off the. <laughs> dial or whatever the expression is. And I hope people embrace this and use this in their practice. And maybe if like me, they've had a couple of stuck cases that they hadn't considered the crystal remedies for, I hope inspire them. I hope so too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye everybody.